In life's journey, we must seek to reflect, learn, and grow. Welcome to the Road to Rediscovery with your host, Aubrey Johnson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Road to Rediscovery. I'm your host, Aubrey Johnson. The Road to Rediscovery is about reflecting on life lessons to learn and grow from them and to take it to the next level and help others who are struggling through dark times. You know, whether we know it or not, the most challenging, daunting, and disastrous days of our lives shapes and refines us. This is a prerequisite to the transformation of our future selves. With that said, how we respond to these struggles is still critically, critically important. Here's what I mean. You see, we only benefit in this shaping and refining when we respond to the struggle with the mindset for learning and growth. Otherwise, we're mired in the despair and continue repeating bad habits, right? All of this is part of our journey. My special guest knows this firsthand. He grew up in a broken home with dysfunction and domestic issues. He was jailed at 18, bankrupt at 21, and battled addictions. In 2004, he found Christ and has overcome abuse, divorce, and addictions. He's an entrepreneur who helps MMA fighters and other entrepreneurs increase their online presence. He inspires and encourages others by sharing his journey. Guys, I can't wait for you to hear his true heart for service. Let's welcome Eric Allen to the show. Hey, Eric, how are you doing, man? Welcome to the show. Man, Aubrey, I'm so awesome right now. Thank you so much for this honor or for the opportunity to be here, man. It's truly an honor to be here, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, no. Thank you, man. I appreciate time out of your busy schedule to come and chat with us and, and to, to open that Eric Allen book and, and, and reveal <laughs> your story for the listeners. I know you'll have some truly insightful uh, uh, anecdotes that will resonate with the listeners, man. So let's just start off with uh, childhood. Uh, what was yeah. life like in the formative years for Eric Allen growing up? You know, childhood for me was was pretty darn good. I went to uh -huh. Sunday school, uh, you know, went to play Little League. My dad would take my best friend Dave and I and literally throw us in dumpsters behind stores and say, go find treasure. Like, that was adventurous <laughs> for us on Saturday mornings. You, know? you know, like, what, what can we find in the dumpster today, Dad? You know, it's just kind of a yeah. fun thing. And, you know, then my parents got divorced when I was 11 years old. I'd never heard that word before. Didn't have any yeah. friends that got divorced. So it was, right. like, all new to me and kind of blew my mind. I was like, whoa, wait, is it, you guys are not going to be married? That's weird. Yeah, you know, yeah. and you know, my, I spent a lot of time at my grandma's house. who was a huge influence in my life. She's my dad's mom and she's like four foot 11 and, and just an amazing woman birthed six kids. My grandpa was six one, wow. you know, and you know, just like an amazing woman still alive today, 87 years old. Wow. Uh, as of June of 2021, man, and just still driving, still loving life, man. And so she's such an inspiration for me. So she always just prayed over me and I spent a lot of time with her. And, you know, when my parents got divorced, my mom got together with a guy who was very physically abusive almost immediately. Mm. And it blew my mind yeah. that she would stay with this guy. Like, seriously, like the, I, I think the very first time that he came over, yeah. I felt like he was hitting her. And I thought, man, this is so weird that she's not pressing charges. She's staying with this guy. Right. I remember there was times when he would come over to the house and I'd like, they'd be arguing in her room and, and I'd be outside looking through the bedroom window and he'd be hitting her with a cordless phone. And I was like, what oh is going God. on? You know? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, police came and my mom never pressed charges. She ended up getting pregnant. And then in the middle of my eighth grade year, they decided to move to small town, Montana, Stevensville, Montana, which was population 1200 people. And they rented this wow. house on five acres. It was beautiful. Two ponds right by the bitter river, yeah, you know, yeah. The problem was with this house, though, it had three bedrooms. So it had one for mm -hmm. them, one for my brother, who's just a couple months old, and then one for my sister. Mm -hmm. And they said, Eric, you live in the garage. So I literally had this plastic tarp at the end of my bed that separated it from the truck that pulled in. Oh, my wow. half of the garage had a fireplace that would keep me semi-warm in the winters of Montana when it get right. to negative degrees, you know? So yeah. it, that was, it was crazy. I liked it because I was playing Nintendo and I was away from the craziness that was happening inside the house. But yeah, yeah, it really was a chaotic household. And I remember there was this time when I was 13 years old, I was brushing my teeth. Mm -hmm. They came home arguing, wasn't anything different than any other night. But as I was brushing my teeth, I felt God was saying, man, you got to, you got to turn around. You got to take a look at this. And so the way the house was set up was behind me was the kitchen to the pantry, to the garage where I stayed. Right. And as I turned my head around the corner and I saw him on top of my mom in, in the pantry, right before the garage door. And he was just, just like, boom, boom, boom. One shot off the other punch her in the face. I'm like, man, oh I got to get God. this guy off. Yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, so I snuck up behind him. I grabbed a cast iron pan. I got a pretty good baseball swing and I swung as hard as I could. And I split the back of his head open and it didn't knock him out. So he turned around and he said, what then? As he said that I took another swing and split his forehead open. Nice. And I swung so hard the second time I actually fell over and I was on the ground. He was bleeding from his face. He stood up over me and he was yelling. My mom jumps up, lands like six punches in a row, blood splatting on the wall. Mm. Cops finally show up, Mm. take him to jail for the night. My mom doesn't press charges. And then I'm kicked out of the house. What? I have three months left of my freshman year of high school. And so I'm bouncing around from friends' houses and floors and couches. And that oh set me gosh. off on a, a path of destruction for the next 10 years of my life, man. Gotcha. Gotcha. So um, did, I'm sure that sparked some anger yeah. um, from your mom not pressing charges. You're getting kicked out and you were protecting her. You were, you know, defending her yeah. um, when, when all this happened. Oh, man. So uh, some of the after effects of that, right? Like hopping from home to home. And mm. uh, uh, did you, did you, did you still continue through your three months of your freshman year? I did. Yeah. yeah. I finished my, my freshman year of high school and then I okay. moved back to live with my dad in Washington state. And so okay. he rented this house that was by the high school that I would go to. So I could jump on a public transportation bus, get to school Right. And he would put 20 bucks in the cup for lunch money and put hunger man meals in the freezer and cereal milk in the house. And then he'd go stay with his girlfriend. So I would see my dad in passing yeah. maybe two or three times a month. It, it, so I just basically raised myself and had no accountability, no adult supervision. So I got into drugs pretty early. I was smoking pot before school at lunch, after school, I was doing acid mushrooms, you know, hash, whatever I could get my hands on Yeah. and yeah. barely getting through school. I graduated with a 2.8 GPA, I think. Mm. And my senior year of high school, I actually got arrested for having a bong, which is now legal in the state of Washington. But in 1998, it was not right. And I had to go to jail, had a black and white chain gang outfit on bright orange slippers. Really? And literally was still living with a dad still in high school, you know, wrote my dad to know, Hey, I'm staying at Danny's house. I'll be back tomorrow. Never told him for like 10 years. I just went to jail, checked myself in and got out the next day. And uh, you know, it was crazy. And I, you would think it would scare me out of doing all that stuff. But what it did was I, basically I was on probation for a year and I could have been drug tested at any point. So I didn't do pot or anything like that for a year, but it enhanced my drinking. So I started drinking really heavily. And two weeks after I graduated high school, I woke up to a post-it note on the bathroom mirror that said, you can't comply with house rules. You have 48 hours to get out. From your father. Yeah. So at that point I was out again, you know, trying to find a place to stay. And between the ages of 18 and 21, I moved 21 times living on couches of friends, three days here, four days there, two weeks there, a couple months here, and ended up making a move to Seattle with a hundred bucks in my pocket just to get into the music business. I don't know how to play anything, but it was always a dream of mine. I'm like, if I go to Seattle, I'll get there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so again, I got up there and, you know, bounced around for a while before I found some, a solid place, a solid roommate and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, living off credit cards that whole time. So basically by the time I'm 21, I was $28,000 in debt and had to file bankruptcy. Oh my gosh, man. And and we'll cover bankruptcy here in a moment, yeah. man. But I, 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 um, what a journey so far. And, and I know yeah. we've barely scratched the surface, right? <laughs> totally right. So, 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 uh, there's, there's one piece of, there's, there's one thing you described or that you mentioned, uh, just yeah. a moment ago that to me, just rings through and through of irony. I mm. mean, and, and, and so it, it's, 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 it's the element and thought of boundaries. Mm. Okay. Um, I, I find it ironic and I wonder, I mean, is this something that went through your mind at the time? Um, I, I found it ironic that, you know, when you lived with your mother, And she kind of, you know, lived her life with uh, her boyfriend and, you know, and and they did their thing. And then when you moved in with your father, he, you know, give you money, load up the fridge and go off to his girlfriends. Um, You weren't, you weren't given any type of boundaries. You weren't told what boundaries were or, or, or what they were, but fast forward. And you get this letter from your dad saying you've got to leave. You can't comply with the rules. And, yeah. you know, um, um, what are your thoughts on, on, you know, having to, having to deal with the penalty of not following the rules when you have grown up to this point without being given rules or boundaries? 
That was interesting. I remember my dad one time, I think asked me if I was on drugs and I was probably high as a kite. And I was like, Nope, not done on drugs. Right. You know, that was the, that was the yeah. one time he ever said anything. But yeah. the, the reason that I got kicked out was probably that had built up and he had knew what was going on. My dad never had okay. this like man to man or man to dad to son type conversation ever. Okay. okay. But the, the last part of my senior year of high school, he was living with his girlfriend and we had moved in with them. Mm, and okay. so I had a couple months left in this house that they bought together Go and ahead. I, they had me doing dishes. I have no problem doing dishes. I have no problem doing household chores, right, but I have right. this thing that I kind of like, I, I have this gag reflex. If there's wet food, like, I don't know, it's just <laughs> a weird thing. Right. So yeah. like, I would say, Hey, when you guys are doing your dishes, if you have food left over, instead of putting them on the plate, getting all the food wet, can you just scrape it in the garbage and I'll, I'll finish them off. I'll put them in the dishwasher. No problem. Right. Right. Well, they, they kept putting food in the, the sink. And so what oh. I would do is take those plates that had food on it. I would set it to the side and then do the rest and put them back in the sink. And I did that for like two or three days straight. Yeah. And so it kind of built up and that's when I woke up to the post-it note and I was like, well, crap, um, oh, I guess man. I'm out, you know? Yeah, and yeah. so, yeah, it was, it was very strange, man. You know, I think it was properly planned two weeks after graduate high school. You yeah. wanted to make sure that I finished high school, but yeah, right. it, after that, it was, you know what, I'm on my own. Let's figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what was your mindset at that time? You know, um, fear, <laughs> excitement, uh, it was, it was kind of like, all right, now I got to make my own money. I got to pay my own bills. Yeah. And I've always, I've, I, I shouldn't say always, I, I never could stay at a job long because I, I just get bored with jobs. So I right. kind of had this fear of like, okay, what am I going to do with my life now? Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to go to college. I actually tried to go to college for about a year, mm -hmm. uh, but I failed out. And because I was working at a hotel, I was working from 4am to 11, then going across the street to the college. And the first class was US history. And I fell asleep every day through that yeah. class. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, I can't do this, you know? So yeah, yeah. I, I tried to try, try to make something out of my life. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I've always been intrigued by entrepreneurship and sales and marketing. In fact, the only two classes that I aced in high school uh, were entrepreneurship and sports and entertainment marketing. Oh, and nice. I was able to take that, all those classes, uh, my sophomore through senior year with the same yeah. teacher, Mr. Lee, that guy's amazing. But that opened my eyes to, man, you don't need to have this regular nine to five job. You can go and get into entrepreneurship and do things on your own. And so um, that's, that's where my mindset was, was like, hey, maybe someday I will be an entrepreneur. I'll try to get some stuff going. But I didn't have drive. I was like, hey, this is the life that was given to me and, and no one's helping me out. You know, I was I, like, open yeah. my hands, like, give me yeah. stuff and open up the upper doors. I just felt like, you know what, my life's just going to be like this. I'm going to party it up, you know. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, now, let's talk about the bankruptcy. Yeah. Um, this, uh, like you said, you, you, to get by, you've been using the credit card. Yep. And, uh, and then of course that incurs debt and you're in and out of jobs. So it's mm. kind of a challenge to continuously pay on, on, on that credit card debt. So, yeah. um, uh, what was the defining moment where you realized, okay, uh, I, I have nowhere else to go. I have nowhere else to turn. I have no other alternatives uh, or resources for, you know, for financial resources. Um, I need to A, do this by filing mm -hmm. and B, turn things around. I think the big hitting point for me was when I was borrowing money from Money Tree to pay yeah. cash advance. And then I'd borrow money from cash advance to pay money tree. And then I'd get a little bit out of all of those borrowing monies, right? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm barely making it by. Yeah. I had a, at the time it was like early 2002, I think, where I had this uh, 1998 Acura Integra. And it was like mm -hmm. nicest car I ever owned. It, yeah. it was leather and it was awesome car. Mm -hmm. And my insurance on that car was three times the amount of my car payment. Wow. And it's because I got a ticket when I was 18. It was the yeah. last ticket that I ever got in my life. <laughs> and, <laughs> but it killed me to be in my early 20s, living in Seattle with this sports car mm -hmm. and having that ticket on my record. It, I mean, it was insane. My, my car insurance was like $400 a month. Wow. It, was, it was wild. Yeah. And I think I was trying to save my car. I'm like, oh, I want to do whatever I can to get this car because it was my first big purchase. Like I loved it. Mm -hmm. And I that thing definitely caused a lot of the issues because I wanted it so bad. And it was like this, yeah. well, if I drive this nice car, then maybe people will like me, yeah. right? If, yeah. I, if I drive this nice car, maybe people will think I'm successful. Mm -hmm. And it really, mm -hmm. I was just drowning in debt. I was drowning in, 
in like lack of money. I thought I could go be a full-time entrepreneur for this network marketing company. And, you know, I, I quit my job and I was like, yeah. And then three months later, I was like, well, crap, I don't have any income. I'm barely making $300 a month. You know, yeah, like yeah. it was wild, man. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That's, <clears throat> excuse me. That's a, that's a defining time. And, uh, and, and, and then it's hard to not look in the mirror after yeah. you borrow from money tree to pay the check advance and vice versa. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. So, so what'd you do to turn it around? So I ended up landing this job with universal records. One of the, the odd jobs that I've had, I think I've had like 30 plus jobs in my career just cause I've, yeah. I've I always get bored with them. So I'm like, oh, I'll go somewhere else. But I was uh, working at this CD store called FYE when those were around. I've heard and this guy walked in and he worked for universal records. I jokingly said, Hey man, how do I get your job? And he's like, Oh, you got to send an email to this lady. You got to be an intern with a community college or college, you know, and then you can, if you're an intern and you're enrolled in school, then you can go and, uh, you know, get, get this internship or you can apply. So I went down to the local community college and I talked to him about this. Hey, I need to be an intern. Do you have an internship class? They said, yep, you do. Uh, so it was like 350 bucks to, yeah. to get this internship class. Yeah. And I had to go like once or twice a week to this class. Mm-hmm. So I paid the money, got the receipt, never went to a class, went to Universal and said, look, I'm in college. Here's my receipt. And uh, are, are you serious? Totally. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I go to Universal. I'm like, hey, look, here's my receipt. I'm actually enrolled in school. And yeah. they said, cool, you're in. So I got in as a, as a mailroom guy at the Universal Records office in downtown Seattle. I showed up every day for six months. Didn't wow. get paid a penny. I was yeah. stuffing posters. I was, But here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I was going to two to three concerts a week and I had open tab and I was hanging out with rock stars uh, for free. I never That's had to priceless. pay for anything. Right. Priceless. And so yeah. Yeah. I was, I was loving it. And so yeah. I was like, whatever it takes. And I was living about an hour drive away from Seattle. So I was driving there every single day just to mm-hmm. go there. And I had to park mm-hmm. about a mile away cause it's downtown. Yeah. And so I did that for a full year. I got laid off my one year anniversary it was during Napster days. Yeah, and I remember Napster. Yep. Yep. Napster killed the music industry and, and yep. half our office got laid off. I was the guy in the bottom of the totem pole. I actually got paid about six months in as their mailroom coordinator. So I was tracking sales, setting up meet and greets, doing backstage stuff. Right. Really fun. And over this two year span, I probably went to about 175 concerts because the year prior to that, I was managing a band and my buddy owned or managed this venue. And so I was just going to concerts all the time. Loved it. Right. Right. But it started to wear on me. And so when I got laid off, I was, I went into a pretty heavy depression. I was working at Starbucks at night and I would yeah. get off work, go to the grocery store, grab a six pack of beer, mm-hmm. go to Hollywood video when those are around and, and yep. grab my uh, movie and go to my ghetto apartment across the street from where Jimi Hendrix is buried there in Renton, Washington. Mm. And I would drink myself to sleep every night. And really? one night this girl walked into Starbucks mm-hmm. and she said, Hey, we've got this cool college AIDS event down at our church. Would you be interested in going? And I'm depressed. I'm alone. Have no friends. And she's really good looking. Absolutely. What time do I need to be there? Right. <laughs> right like right. that was my mindset. Like, you yeah. know what? Let's go. Yeah. And so I went, it was like, God planted the seed in that moment. I ended up knowing all these guys at that church that was on the other side of the school, like state. It was like, dude, I haven't seen him since high school, man. I haven't seen him in six years. It was this weird kind of connection. Yeah. And I just went down there just to kind of connect with people and, and try to get some friends. Yeah. And it about a month later it was Easter 2004. I was managing a band. We went and played a concert and I woke up Easter morning in my buddy's basement surrounded by probably 15 buddies. Okay. And in that moment, I felt God say, man, you're going down this path that's going to end your life very quickly if you don't start making some serious changes in your life. And I decided in that moment to give my life to Christ right there in my buddy's basement. And I quit cold turkey, drugs, drinking cigarettes, everything right there in that moment. Really? And I called that girl up and I got her voicemail and I said, Hey, happy Easter. Maybe I'll mm-hmm. see you at Starbucks sometime. Mm-hmm. And a month later we're dating. And now we've been married for almost 17 years, man. Congratulations, man. <laughs> I you. mean, what a journey, what a story, you know, um, God's amazing. I mean, he, he, he does, he does this incredible work of putting certain people in front of us at certain times, yeah. you know, uh, for, for, for a, a, a bigger purpose, a larger purpose that we can't even see down the road. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. man. Yeah, man. That is fantastic. Oh, Thank what you. a great story. What a great story. Now I know you mentioned your grandmother, has mm-hmm. been, you know, praying over you and everything. Um, yeah. So she, she's had that, that, um, that faith foundation, right? Yep. For yep. as long as you can remember. Totally. Yeah. She reads and prays over every single grandchild, great grandchild and great, great grandchild every single morning to this day. What an amazing woman, man. Yeah. 
yeah, what an amazing crazy. woman. I can I can see why she's it's so inspirational to you for sure, man. Yeah. 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 And and so as as you gave your life to Christ, yeah. Um tell me about some of the things you started to see and observe of yourself. Um, you know, from the time you gave yourself to Christ, um cold turkey quit the addiction. Yep. Cold turkey, cigarettes, drugs, all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just, just what were some of the signs that 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 happened in your life from that moment that gave you an indication that you know what, I'm headed in the right direction now. Man, uh, you know, it was, I think initially it was it was uh, the shocker, like okay, I've got to change my life, yeah. and I had to have this conversation with my friends that like guys, I'm going down this path that's going to end my life real quick. I'm, I'm, I've got some issues I got to deal with. So I got to take a break from managing the band and going out to bars and stuff like right, that. Right. And the cool thing was they were all like, dude, get sober, get, get good, get healthy. I'm still yeah. friends with those guys today. I took about six months off of just awesome. going out to the bar or anything like that. Yeah. And, yeah. and what I did was I started finding people in this church that my now wife went to mm-hmm. that were successful in business, successful in their marriage, successful in their walk with Christ. And I said, yeah. hey, can I just take you out to coffee? I just want to hear your story. And I was like, this is before I even thought about interviewing people, but I kind of was interviewing them at the time going, man, what things do I need to do? Yeah. And I started soaking up as much as I could. I was reading like crazy, like one book a week of just how to grow my relationship. And, you know, um, whatever I could do to draw close to God, I was reading the Bible like crazy. Mm-hmm. And through that, I also kind of battled with shame and embarrassment about my past. Yeah. One, because I didn't like to tell people my story. Uh, yeah. Two, because I definitely like I dated a lot of girls and had multiple partners. Mm-hmm. It, my wife didn't. And so that was a big issue for me. And so that I had to deal with that. And I went to therapy after we got married to just kind of talk it out. I'd never even thought about that, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so, but once I started really surrounding myself with people that were living the life that I wanted to live, yeah, great marriages, great businesses, great faith in their walks, you know, mm-hmm. great walks. Mm-hmm. my life changed. I was like, dude, my past does not define my future. I can make a change at any moment. And I can start mm-hmm. right now changing that legacy that was left for me. It's going to be different for my kids. And my wife, she came from a broken home too. Not as crazy as mine, but on a different level of crazy. Sure. Right. So sure. we both came in having junk that we knew that we didn't want to bring into our marriage, but we also brought in junk that we knew that we, like we had to work through. I came in being defensive because I was always blamed about things when I was a yeah. kid, you know, like, Hey, you yeah. did this or you did that. Right. And right. she came in feeling kind of abandoned, you know, from her childhood. Yeah. So yeah. we had to deal with that. We spent the first five years, just us. We just wanted to get to know each other before I had mm-hmm. kids. So we mm-hmm. traveled, we went camping, we went down to Mexico twice. We built homes down there. We almost moved right. down there. Like we were just like, you know what? Really? We, we want to go do this thing. You know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I was just on fire. Like, you know what? I want to make an impact with my life. Yeah. And I'm 41 now. I didn't share this story that I just said on your show publicly mm-hmm. until I was 39 years old. I just held on to it. And yeah. uh, man, but once I did, it was such a huge weight off my shoulder, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm a huge believer of uh, there is uh, there's a sense of strength that yeah. one can get out of being vulnerable, making themselves vulnerable mm-hmm. in, in all in the heart and interest of sharing their story to help someone else going through a tough time, man. Yeah. So like with you and your wife and, and your respective upbringings, you know, in, uh, in, in, you know, abusive homes or just different type of family issues. Um, those were some serious struggles, you know, and, and, and you guys have weathered some storms and, and that's that shaping and refining, right. That we yeah. talked about earlier yeah. and, 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 and you've had that mindset and I'm sure she does as well to say, you know what, I'm going to break the cycle. Yeah. You know, and, and, yeah. and I've, I've had conversations with people on this, uh, uh, you know, multiple times, Eric, and, and, and I've always wondered and been intrigued by the phenomena, I call it a phenomenon, yeah. of um, when you have uh, a child that yeah. is in a particular environment and upbringing, and it's abusive, and they become an adult, and they have a family, in a lot of cases, that pattern from generation to generation repeats and continues. Yes. Yep. But then you have some scenarios where the child grew up in that same abusive environment. And when they became older, they decided 
to be there for their children, mm. to be there and partner and serve with their with their partner, their spouse. Yep. You know, and and it's like, well, what causes one to go in one direction versus the other, right? Yeah. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Man, I was just thinking. There's this moment where I was in the music business. I was at a concert. I'm in my early 20s, and I yeah. saw this. Uh, rep for another uh, record label there now yeah. she was not old in any like way shape or form but she right. was in her early 30s and i'm in my early 20s and i'm thinking i do not want to be her age going to concerts four to five nights a week yeah. i want to have a family and yes. that was the it's the weirdest thing i can hardly remember anything from when i went to those concerts because i was just obliterated drunk at most of those shows wow. but i remember that moment so specifically Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I just remember, I think that was a, the seed that God was kind of planting. And I didn't know him. I, I didn't have a relationship with him at that time. But I remember mm-hmm. he was planting that seed in that moment. And that moment really caused me to go, man, I'm repeating this cycle. You know, mm-hmm. I'm repeating this cycle of being around and having broken marriages and broken relationships and stuff like that. I don't want that. Right. You know, I want a better relationship. You know, I, one of the things I have on my vision wall, because my vision is bigger than a board. I converted a whole wall, right? <laughs> vision <So> wall. <laughs> I, I, I literally it. converted a whole wall of my office into a vision. But I have yeah. this thing on that says, the purpose of pain is to move us into action. It is not to make us suffer. That's and right. man, it, Tony right. Robbins said that. And I just took it to heart, man. Yes, yes. Yeah, you know, there there are some people and some phrases that you hear, you know, that that just, that just, hits you right between the eyes, right? And it's like, you know what? Boom, that says it all. And it becomes your mantra. Totally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what got you into MMA, man? You know, it's a cool thing. My dad was, uh, he was an awesome dad. Like he had some issues, but he had an awesome dad. He was an awesome dad. But he he always got Mike Tyson pay-per-views. So we'd watch boxing as a kid, right? And then he would take me to WWF events as a kid. So I saw Hulk Hogan and Macho Man and British Bulldog and all those guys. And he would take me to regional wrestling events where I got Mm -hmm. to see Jake the Snake as he was rolling up in the regional scene and Dusty Rose, he was rolling up in the regional scene. Mr. Wonderful and all those guys. Yeah. All those guys. Yeah. And so my dad took me to those. And so I was always intrigued by wrestling and combat sports and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. My dad would rent ninja movies that had no english and he would just put them in the vhs back then right yeah. and it was like yeah. we didn't know what they were saying but it was just all ninja fights and i was like enthralled by oh my gosh i think i was a ninja for halloween for like 15 years straight you know like i just <laughs> really i mean i just i was like every year i'm gonna be a ninja like you know yeah, was, yeah. and i you know so I always got into it and then i think you know i was living with Funny enough, I actually lived with a wrestler uh, right before I filed bankruptcy or while I filed bankruptcy, but uh, his name was Mr. Sexy. He was a regional wrestler out in the Seattle area. Okay. And and so it was funny because we had a ring in the backyard and I mean, guys would come over. Oh, it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, they have Royal Rumble practice in the backyard. Unbelievable. You know, and so I just have always been around it. And then in 2012, I'm sitting around the house and with my wife and I'm going, man, I really want to be involved in MMA. I'm not a fighter, but I want to kind of see if we can make something out of it. And so she came up with the name top rated MMA. And we said, how can we make it different? This is the the time of when tap out was real big. And so we said, we're going to be hundred percent American made. And we want to partner with a company that helps out veterans. And so Brian Stan used to be in the UFC. He started an organization called Hire Heroes USA where they help train uh, veterans and their families for yeah. free and job mm-hmm. placement for free on how to do jobs and interviews and all that stuff. And so I yeah. reached out to them and they were, it just started too. I said, Hey, we'd love to partner with you guys, give you a percentage of our sales. And so we still, to this day, donate 25% of all the affiliate marketing profits that we make to that organization. Mm. And so we made a lot of business mistakes. <laughs> we yeah. bought a bunch of inventory <laughs> that didn't sell. It took off really fast and then it yeah. dropped really fast. Uh, and so we ended up donating like i think 75 or 80 shirts to hurricane katrina victims like Mm -hmm. we were just trying to get rid of the inventory and in 2015 i actually put an ad in craigslist i said who wants to buy this company you know here's the brand here's the followers all this stuff one guy called me offered me like two three grand for it and in that call i like made a a conscious decision or a subconscious decision to say i'm not ready to quit yet and so mm. I declined the buy. Mm. And what I did was I spent the next year and a half just really kind of ho-hum in the business, not really doing much with it. Right, right. And in 2017, I decided I want to have a podcast. So I just wanted to ask fighters, why do you want to get in a cage and get punched in the face? Yeah, I had yeah. no idea what I was doing. Bad lighting, bad camera. <laughs> you know, like I was in a walk-in closet for almost my first hundred episodes. Yeah. You know, I didn't even have a beard. Like, I mean, just like, <laughs> just, it was brutal, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I just was like, I want to understand. And so, you know, some guys are like, hey, I grew up doing... You know, karate or did wrestling 
and it translates to MMA to guys who are like, dude, I have federal fence and I can't get a real job, but I can go fight someone and put food on my table. Yeah. And so yeah. I'm so fascinated with those stories. So that, I mean, that's the long version of your, your answer there, of your question there, how I got into MMA, but that's, that's where I'm at, man. Well, you know, um, that's fascinating. I, I truly, truly mean that, man. And, uh, and, and I also want to thank you for partnering with, um, with, the, with the Heroes um, um, uh, business as well. Yeah. Um, the, the work that you guys are doing from what you described to me a moment ago um, and in your proceeds, 25%, you said? 25% um, of all of our affiliate links go that goes, goes to those guys. Yeah, go, yeah go, goes to that. And, uh, and, you know, I've never served, but I'm a military brat and mm. uh, both my parents served and wow, uh, awesome. I was born on Fort and then my siblings were too. So it, it's, it, 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 it hits home for me. Yeah. And so I want to thank you for, for um, having that heart for helping veterans and everything, man. So that's huge. Now I am a huge boxing fan. I mean, okay. I'm not so much in the MMA. Uh, I have some buddies of mine who are, and yeah. you know, they invite me over for some pay-per-views and vice sure. versa when I have them for boxing, <clears throat> excuse me. And um, I, I never, I, I played around and sparred a little bit, but nothing really big. And, yeah. uh, but I, I wanted to be in, I wanted to be in the space. You know what I mean? Totally. Just somewhere yeah. in the space. And so yep. Uh, I live in North Texas now, but uh, for about six years, but back in, uh, I'm from Cincinnati and, and, and back in, I guess, 2012, 2011, thereabouts, um, I decided to apply for my judge's license. Oh, nice. So um, for the state of Ohio through the athletic commission, I got my judge's license, you know, and, uh, and I, 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 I've um, judged some pretty good fights. Uh, Aaron Pryor Jr., his son, Okay. You know, and then uh, Adrian Broner when he was making his debut, you know, yeah. so, um, and, and of course those are Ohio fighters and stuff. Sure. Right. But so I was, it was small time, but just to be in that space, right. In a combat sport yep. and asking those questions and getting, you know, the firsthand responses from these fighters, just like you are, man, to me, that was fascinating. I never, yeah. I never had that, but I, with what I knew about boxing, I wrote, a short story called the ballad of the boxer okay and it talks about how it's a sport way different and i would imagine mma is the same yeah way different from your traditional football basketball mm. baseball right i mean yeah. coming from college to the pro ranks and stuff and totally. when you declare yourself pro it's not like there's no huge signing bonus <laughs> or anything you're not right. drafted okay <laughs> and and so and, and and you're you're working construction and you're going to the gym and you're jogging and if you have a family you're at home and yeah. it, and it's uh it's it, it's it takes a commitment you know yep. Yep. yeah and, and for peanuts too so totally yeah, yeah. So um, uh, just just the whole combat sport of will against will um, in the ring or the octagon. Um, either way you look at it, man, is uh, to me it's 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 fascinating. So I'm sure you've had some pretty good good fighters on on the show, right? Uh, yeah, I've been yeah. blessed to speak to some pretty cool people, man. I've had Ken nice. Shamrock on twice. Nice. Yeah, nice. uh, you know, I had uh, Chris Lieben on the show and okay. uh, a couple of the guys who are on the Ultimate Fighter house currently right now have both been on my show. That Both guys from Spokane up here, yeah. uh, Josh Redenhouse and, and Brady Heidstander, who's going to be fighting gotcha. in the finale here soon. Um, but yeah, I've been blessed to speak to a lot of guys on the show. And I think episode 239 or 240 drops this weekend. So, you know, been, wow. been blessed to be able to continue to do that. Humbly considered the number one MMA podcast out here in the Northwest where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And I, I release my shows every Saturday. I'm just really passionate about talking with these up and coming fighters yeah. and early pro fighters. I want to help them get their name in out there. And so I talk with fighters all over the world. You know, I kind of set a personal goal to talk to a male and female fighter from every state in the U.S. And I'm just nice. about there. So we're, we're, nice. we're going and I, I created a pin map when I started. So yeah. it was pretty colorful with all the pins. But yeah, it's just a, <laughs> a fun goal I set for myself. Uh -huh. I had a quick question for you, though. Being a boxing fan, what is your take on bare knuckle boxing back? You mean from old school back in the day? Bare well, like bare no bare or the backyard knuckle. stuff. Well, like right now, like there's this huge upkick in popularity for bare knuckle boxing, like bare knuckle boxing fighting championships, and um, you know, even, like even today. I mean, I I knew back in like 2010, 2011, you know, when Kimbo Slice started yeah. to like make his emergence. You know, I guess he was out of Florida. They had right. YouTube videos of backyard brawls and stuff. I mean, uh, is is it of that nature or? Yeah. Or, I mean, it's really? great. Well, no, it's actually in a ring. 
and okay. bare and they're making way more money than the UFC. So a lot of the MMA guys oh. are transitioning to MMA and they're going to bare knuckle boxing. Oh my and, gosh. And they're, you know, like Paige Van Zandt, who was a UFC yeah. fighter. She was making 40, 50 grand, maybe a fight for UFC. She goes to make her debut in bare knuckle boxing. She wins, she wins like 500 K. Like, I mean, it's like, there's really? so much money and, and it's a huge popularity. A lot of, like Chris Lieben went to the, to bare knuckle. Ken Shamrock's got his own bare knuckle promotion called Valor bare knuckle. Wow. And he took it to a whole nother level. Like where currently like bare knuckle fighting, they've got their own ring and they do bare bo boxing. Uh, yeah. But Ken Shamrock, he, he went to his promotion. They do a pit. It okay. old school pit, no right. rings. It's got the ramp and the guys wear the old, like 1920s, like, you know, pants, boxing throwbacks, pants. I mean, throwbacks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. And they get in there and, you know, it, and it's so cool to watch. And I'm kind of like, I don't, I would never want to get in there. It's fun to watch. Right. Right. Uh, right. But I like seeing these guys, uh, you know, get in there and actually make some money where they were putting their yeah. body through so much in the UFC and barely making anything. Now they're yeah. able to go and make some good money. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah. And, 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 you know, that's one thing I can also appreciate when it comes to pugilism, I guess, or, or yeah. just, just combat uh, yeah. sports. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it's not, it's not so linear or one dimensional, like it has been say 20, 30, 40 years ago. Right. Totally. Yep. Um, there, there's, there's, there's different, there's mixed martial arts, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's uh, boxing, there's kickboxing, there's, um, and and now with the bare knuckle, bra, you know, it's just there, there's there's different avenues that that fighters can can explore, you know, yeah, totally. um, you know, they have they have the passion for it, just like boxers uh, have told me, you know, uh, that first time you get hit in the ring, you'll know whether or not the sport is for you or totally. not for you. Right. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> yeah Absolutely. yeah man so no i'm gonna have to maybe google that man and look that up as far as uh you know just this uh is it is it is it is it a sanction is it a circuit yeah. or oh yeah yeah uh bkfc is the the organization and they're just the ufc okay. of, of bare knuckle boxing gotcha. and they're in a ring and you know they, they it's basically toe the line and so these guys are up yeah. there in bare knuckles and you mm -hmm. know I, I would say the majority of fights don't go to the unanimous go to go don't go to decision right i mean somebody's right, getting right. knocked out pretty quick yeah uh, yeah. You know, but it's fun to watch, man. It's, and, uh, you know, having Ken Shamrock on the show, I talked to him about, you know, hey, what's your take on it? Obviously, you have this promotion. And he right. was saying, well, look, here's the deal. It's four-ounce gloves and MMA, yeah. way more dangerous than bare knuckle because you can take 150, 200 shots in the head with MMA four-ounce gloves. Yeah. But if you go into bare knuckle, you might take 10 or five before you get knocked out, and it's all right. over. You're not taking as many hits to the head. So his concept is like bare knuckle boxing is the safest sport out there. Interesting. <laughs> a lot of blood because you bleed yeah. more. Yeah, but yeah. he said in regards to headshots, you're taking way less headshots than anything else. Amazing. What a perspective. Yeah. yeah. I never thought of that, man. <laughs> never thought of that. So um, <clears throat> let me ask you regarding uh, the, the great work that you're doing uh, in, in helping MMAs get more exposure and everything. Yeah. Um, have, have, have you, have you and, and, and I know you're not a coach, uh, right. you know, like a life coach or anything like that. Right. But have you, um, have you, you've shared your story with some mm -hmm. of these fighters, right. And, yep. and I'm sure they can relate in, in, in their journey um, to some degree. Yeah. I think there's a lot of fighters where I've had on my show. The yeah. first question that I ask every, every fighter and every mm -hmm. entrepreneur that's on my two shows mm -hmm. is tell me about your childhood and where did you grow up? Yeah. One, because I'm curious what, how, you know, what that was like and, and where they're at today. I want my listeners right. to understand these are just real people that decided that whether they had a great childhood or they had an abusive childhood, yeah. they had a goal in mind and they took action to get there. They wanted right. to be a fighter. They wanted to be an entrepreneur. They got through the yuck. They got through the failure. Yes. And so I think there is a lot of times when I can relate to those fighters that had that abusive childhood. And I've had mm -hmm. guys come on there and say, man, my life sucked. You mm -hmm. know, I got abused. I got raped. I got, you know, this and that like yeah. crazy. Yeah. And, and I love to share my story with them and go, man, look at what you're doing today, though. Like mm -hmm. you got out of that. That's, mm -hmm. I'm proud of you, man. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Mm -hmm. And so I love that, that concept of both my shows right off the bat. I want to know like, Hey, what was childhood like for you? Right. And, right. uh, and it's such a great conversation for me. And my opinion is like, right off the bat, we're getting deep. Like yeah. I want to, I don't want to fluff around. I want to get right to it. My shows are short. Like I, I get in and I get out and, mm -hmm. but I want them to get this message across that, Hey, you know what? Everybody fails. Our past doesn't define our future. We can right. make a change at any point. And, yeah. um, 
you know, it's so cool to hear the stories and, you know, a lot of people are like, Hey man, thank you for sharing your story to me, you know, when I have them on the show. And, yeah. and so it's just cool to connect with those guys, man. Oh man, that's fantastic. That's awesome. So, uh, Eric, what have you learned about yourself? Um, when you think back today, uh, different seasons in your life, right? There's yeah. the, the, the season of the abuse, um, and witnessing the abuse, you know, with, with your mother, and then living with your father and then hopping from, you know, from uh, house to house and then the drugs and then moving, living on your own in Washington. Uh, what, through each of those phases and, and, and now, if you look in retrospect, what, what is the one key thing about yourself that you've learned in that journey? I'm a fighter. I'm going to keep going for fighting yeah. for what I want and, and yeah. I'm not ready to quit, you know, yeah. Yeah. and whatever gets thrown at me, I can, I, I'll fight my way through it, especially now being married, have my kids and yes. whatever it takes to protect them. Yes. I I'm willing to do it. And I also had to change my mindset. You know, yeah. one of the things that I had to really put through is I had to be a quitter. And, and one, I, what I mean by that is I had to quit thinking I didn't deserve success. I had to quit mm -hmm. thinking that I didn't deserve a great marriage or mm -hmm. I had to quit thinking I didn't deserve money or mm -hmm. quit thinking that I wasn't making an impact. And I had to quit quitting because yeah. I kept starting all these things and going, I'm going to be a millionaire yeah. or I'm going to do this. Right. And <laughs> yeah. then I quit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When it got hard, I quit. And so I had to quit being a quitter. I had to be a quitter to, to get through that stuff, man. And, yeah. and so once I realized that my mindset was the only thing that was holding me back, Right. Like, man, the, the sky's the limit. Now we can make some impact in, on the lives around the world. Oh, 100%. 100% for sure, man. Oh, um, yeah, you are a fighter. And I'm sure uh, there are some parallels or some metaphors, I guess, in MMA fighting uh, alongside the journey you've had of fighting, right? Um, yeah. Fighting to define who you are mm -hmm. and to find your place and your purpose. So, uh, man, I really appreciate you coming on the show, sharing your journey, sharing the lessons that you've learned. And if you don't mind me saying, Eric, one other thing um, about yourself that I've learned from you in, uh, in what you've been sharing with the audience here with, and myself is, uh, is um, you're not defined by your past, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And, 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 and you have the power to turn things around. Yes. Uh, and so uh, you, you really drove that point home. I know that resonated with the listeners as well as the fact that you're a fighter. And uh, I, I just I just got to thank you for that, man. I really, really appreciate you coming on the show, sharing those insights. Oh, man, it's such an honor to be here. You're a great host. Uh, I'm very professional, man. If people aren't listening to your show, they need to be listening to your show. They need to be subscribing to your show, man. Seriously, you're an amazing, amazing host, man. Seriously, it was good stuff, man. Oh, well, thank you, man. I really yeah. appreciate that. I mean, uh, so kind, so thoughtful. And uh, I'm going to subscribe to your podcast because awesome. uh, I do want to hear the, 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 the feedback and the thoughts of, of these fighters, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I've always been intrigued with, you know, what type of mindset do they need to put themselves in uh, 24 hours before a fight, right? Yeah, or that's my an hour thing. before the fight or while they're in the dressing rooms, right? <laughs> I mean, just totally. all of the stuff leading up. I don't care if you've been doing it for one day or for 10 years, you know, mm -hmm. um, what is that mindset, you know? So, uh, and I'm sure I can pick that up with uh, just about any of your um, almost 300 episodes, man. So, so I'm going to subscribe today. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, man. Absolutely. So Eric, we're going to now go to a segment I like to call three for the road. Okay. And in three for the road, that's where I will ask you three random yet thought provoking questions that I will challenge you to answer in five words or less. So what do you say? You think you're up for it? Let's go, man. I'm going to keep track of my fingers. <laughs> All right. <I'm> fantastic. <laughs> uh, here we go. And Hey man, check this out. By the way, uh, these questions are not cookie cutter. I don't ask the same three for the road questions to every guest, okay? Awesome. These are custom questions for my guests based on their background, their expertise, and their journey, all right? Okay, here we okay. go, here we go. Question number one for three for the road. And, and in, this, in this, I'm gonna ask you, one of the life struggles that you've had that you shared with us I'm going to, I'm going to name that struggle. And if you, or that challenge, that barrier, and uh, if you can equate that struggle 
to um, with an MMA strike or a move based on the pain and the after effect, what would that strike or move be? Here's the struggle. Okay. Incarceration. Man. A rare naked choke. <laughs> and, and I say that as because it, my life at that point mm-hmm. was such a loss. It, like it was, it was just, I was, I don't remember any of that. I was yeah. so high most of the time. Yeah. And so yeah. the rear naked choke, <clears throat> when you get choked out, the lights mm-hmm. go out. Right. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I had no idea what I was doing. I, mm-hmm. I, like the cops came to arrest us at a campsite. So they came from behind me and, and yeah. I just remember this moment where I had to go to jail. And so I, I think that's the move I think like came from behind and I was yeah. out like, yeah. you know, and so that's why I relate to that. It's funny. Cause when I was 23 years old, mm-hmm. I actually called up the courthouse and I said, Hey, here's a funny question. I got arrested from you guys in your mm-hmm. court. I went to jail there, but yeah. I've never seen my mugshot. Can you send it to me? And they <laughs> laughed and they said, sure. And they mailed me a copy of my mugshot. And it is the scariest thing I've ever seen. I look so scared, 145 pounds, holding up my number in my black and white chain gang outfit. It was pretty funny. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> totally, dude. <laughs> Yeah, I can see why they'd laugh. You're asking for yeah, your uh, for your mugshot. It's like, totally. man, yeah, most guys are like, you know what? I'm never looking back. You know, totally. But yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. So, um, rear naked choke. Yeah. So I think okay. I got that in what three words? Okay. Yeah, that's three. Yeah, with two to spare, man. You're doing great, Eric. I'll try. All right. Yeah, you're doing great. All right. Number two. If addiction was a physical person that you were facing in the octagon what would it look like man i think addiction in there if i if they were a person and a fighter in the cage man it's funny i i would say conor mcgregor conor mcgregor okay Okay. i'm not a fan of his but he's everywhere yeah he he is is so hard to get out of your mind whether you love Mm -hmm. him or hate him Mm-hmm. he's always there and he he has these mode mood swings where you'll see him on twitter and he'll throw some really harsh comments out yeah. and they'll delete them tweet and delete yeah. tweet and delete tweet and delete <laughs> and i think that's how drug addiction is right like you're yeah. into addiction you're like yep i'm gonna quit nope i'm gonna quit yep i'm gonna yeah. quit back right. and forth and so i think that's the one guy that i if i had to say addiction was a person in the cage it would be conor yeah. mcgregor and i'm not a fan of his but i think that would yes. be the that would be the guy Okay, no, no, I understand. And and thank you for clarifying, you know, why, right? I mean, uh, I'll be honest with you, when I asked that question, when I asked you that question, I was uh, waiting for some six foot eight, 320 pound, you know, okay. and, you know not, but, not an actual person, just a description. Okay. No, no, <laughs> but, but no, you gave me a name I yeah. mean, and thank you for that because that just wraps it all up. You know, yeah. when you, when you get a name and you know the person or you know of them, you know, then, you know, the size, you know, the weight, you know, the yeah. skill, you know, the build and all that, but it's the intangible stuff that you talked about that you use to relate it to addiction right? Mm -hmm. On again, off again, tweet, delete, tweet, delete. I mean, uh, that drives it home as to why it's Conor McGregor for you. So I appreciate you sharing that, man. That's some serious insight. So so thank (laughs) you for that. Yeah, dude, no problem. All right. And number three, to top us off for three for the road. Okay. Share with us your celebration dance or your victory song that you would do after overcoming all that you have? You know, it, it goes back to the song that I got married to when they announced my wife and I as, as married couple, and it's mm-hmm. MXPX, first day of the rest of our lives. First and, day of the rest of our lives. And it's a punk rock song. And yeah. so here we are at this church. They announced mm-hmm. us, everyone, you know, grandma, grandpa's, everyone in the crowd thinking we're going to play some piano music. They said, Mr. and Mrs. Eric Allen. And then it just kicks right into a guitar riff and just, punk rock like and for me that was the one song that says hey this is the first day of the rest of our lives right now like we are starting over and to this day that's my wife and i's favorite song and and we we love that song and when it comes on like Mm -hmm. you know that's just our song and just the lyrics talk about going through the the ups and the downs and but today's today it's the first day of the rest of our lives let's go really nice nice i tell you it's 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 the moment and the music together Yeah. yeah. And, and, and that is just, uh, it, it's just emblazoned in, in your hearts and your mm-hmm. minds. 
uh, for years to come, man. That's beautiful. I really appreciate you sharing that with me, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that wraps us up for three for the road, man. You did it. Come on. Awesome. <laughs> awesome, man. You did it for sure, man. <laughs> so All right. Good. So Eric, how can, how can the listeners learn more about you and subscribe to your podcast and, and, you know, maybe look at into some of the cool stuff that, that you offer. Man, I appreciate that. Uh, so I'm on every format out there for my show. So audio goes to, you know, Apple, Spotify, all those audio formats. And then I release a video format. So Facebook, IGTV, YouTube channel, and I'm big on Instagram. So I love connect with people on Instagram. It's just Eric, E-R-I-K, G Allen is my account. And I respond to every comment and every DM. So if you have questions for me, you can shoot me a comment or shoot me a message. You can respond to it, something on my post there, but you can find out everything about me. My testimony is on there. My mm. story, what I do for my shows. I release yes. my, my blurbs, my YouTube channel. I do voiceover work. So I've got stuff on there. I do nice. brand videos for brands. So they send me their products. I do brand, you know, reviews, box opening, stuff like that. And so mm. I love doing that stuff. And so, yeah, people can, you know, subscribe to my channels, like, you know, connect with me, shoot me a DM if you're interested in having me speak, you know, doing voiceover work. And, and so that's the best spot to connect is, is on Instagram. Fantastic. Oh, fantastic, man. We will have um, links to your podcast and links to your social mediums so people can follow you direct links in the episode show notes for awesome. sure. And I'm going to make sure that I uh, follow you on Instagram as well, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Eric, again, man, thanks for coming on the show. And look, seriously, I want us to keep in touch, man. I'd love Absolutely. to have you come back in the next six to eight months or so and give the listeners an update and what's going on in your world. Would that be cool? Man, absolutely. Absolutely. Big honor, dude. And I set a goal in January of this year that I wanted yeah. to be a guest on 100 podcasts. Wow. And man, I just <laughs> want to say thank you for being part of that. And I'm one of those guests that will definitely share this out. And at the end of 100, I'm going to list all of them on my website. I'll do backlinks to everybody's shows. And I just want to say thank you for giving me the opportunity to come on and be part of that. Oh, so kind, man. No, um, you're very welcome, my man. You're very welcome, brother. And thank you for allowing me to be a part of your journey, your 100 podcast guest journey. Dude, yeah. <laughs> oh, fantastic. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening. I really, really appreciate it. And also, I want to let you know that uh, just released a couple months ago, the Rediscover Roadmap Digital Course is now available. This course shows you how to take an introspective approach to your personal development and accountability by using the four pillars of personal growth, self-awareness, humility, gratitude, and service for others. It's an awesome course. And if you want a free preview and register, just visit roadsrediscovery.com slash course. That's road, the number two, rediscovery.com slash course. The Roads Rediscovery, it's part of a movement part of a revolution. And guess what? You are now part of it. We're all roadies on this journey of life. And it sure feels good having you on the journey with me. Thanks again for listening. We'll chat again soon. The Road to Rediscovery is an AJ Shark production.